There is nothing more terrifying than the phrase distinguished guest. <laughs> I uh, had no idea what I was going to talk about tonight, but I've just had dinner with Dr. Kissinger, so I'm going to attempt to talk about the reunification of Afghanistan. <laughs> <coughs> and after that, we shall probably go on to the uh, peace process in the Middle East, after a, a short talk with George Mitchell before we started. Um, and then I, I did have dessert talking to Naomi Judd about monogamy in marriage, so we might finish with that. <laughs> you see, two years ago I came here, on the last night, um, uh, I, I didn't really know anything about the academy, and um, they said, would I come and receive a plate and make a speech? And I thought, well, I'm always short of plates. <laughs> I have an Irish wife and we tend to get through them. So I came, I talked, and I left and with my plate. And I felt, as I got into the, the, the delightful hired car, which the Academy had given me to get home with, that I'd missed an opportunity, because I had noticed, apart from my dinner partner, Edna O'Brien, two years ago, I, I'd noticed an extraordinary, and I mean extraordinary, array of people. You see, I'm used to producers sending me film scripts and saying, we'd very much like you to do this, and we've got Barbara Streisand, we've got Kirk Douglas, we've got um, uh, 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 Jack Nicholson, and I think, oh, yes, I, I'm sure you've got them, yes, yes, yes. And you, you've signed to do it, and you find you've got an awful lot of people you've never heard of. <laughs> so when I saw the list for the Academy, I thought, oh, yes, <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> and then I got there, and <laughs> they were there. <laughs> and I came, I talked, and I left. And I thought, this is a waste of an opportunity. Uh, I must grasp the nettle. So when I was, delightfully, I was invited again this year, delightfully for me, I'm not sure about others, um, when I was asked to come again, I thought, yes, I will, and I'll, I'll stay the two and a half days, because I want to listen, I want to learn a bit, um, although I don't understand much of what is being said. <laughs> certainly, certainly this morning, I am but an airhead actor. Um, <laughs> But, it, but it, at least it reminds me that there are things going on about which I know very little, but they are going on. <laughs> so now I find myself standing before you with a feeling of utter worthlessness, <laughs> which um, I, I'm trying to transmogrify into a state of abject humility. <laughs> Not a difficult task. Um, I'm not really here as an individual. I, I, I read the bump today, and I, I, I just have to say that the Academy of Achievement, you do things so well. I mean, on every level, you have it covered. You have it covered with charm. There's not a, a, a corridor one walks down without seeing a smiling young lady <laughs> or a secure-looking gentleman. <laughs> and the joy of arriving at an airport to find the car is there is wonderful. So thank you, those of you who organised. I'm, I'm a what is laughingly called a council member of the Academy, um, not as an individual, but as I presume, as a representative of the arts. 
Now, I, I should probably be here. What you want me to do is to warm you up for the heavies who are coming on later. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try and be serious for a second, briefly serious. Um, what do the arts to you, you high achievers, what relevance do they have with what's going on around us? I mean, further than the frissons of rubbing shoulders with the famous names and faces that, wh whose work you've been aware of or hopefully enjoyed, what, what does my presence here mean? You're not going to get jokes out of me. You'll get more from Dr. Kissinger. I told him all of mine at dinner. What, do, what, what is the answer? Do, do the arts have a, an importance in today's world situation? Well, I think they do. I suppose you'd expect me to say that because I'm in the arts. But I believe that we have a role in the bringing together of communal hopes, dreams, and fears in the way we tell our stories. You may think that we waste the opportunity for that, and I'll come on to that later. The arts allow us time to relax and sometimes to understand more about other people's situations. Last night we saw that an artist, Bono, a pop singer, used his celebrity to great effect. That's another way the arts can be useful. But you see, I believe the arts should be difficult and anti-establishment. I have a, you see, if I was organized, and I keep telling my secretary this, that it's her fault, but if I was organized, I would know where this quote came from. But I don't. It sits in my, in my study um, opposite my desk in Ireland, <coughs> where I have a, a house, and I'll read it to you because I think it's a wonderful quote, and I hope that if anybody at the end of it, wait till the end, do me a favor, wait till the end, and at the end of the quote, rather, which is a long quote, um, if you recognize it, hold up your hand and tell me who said it. <coughs> If an artist falsifies his report as to the nature of man, as to his own nature, as to the nature of his ideal of the perfect, if the artist falsifies his report on these matters or on any other matter in order that he may conform to the taste of his time, to the properties of a sovereign, to the, to the conveniences of a preconceived code of ethics, then that artist lies. If he lies out of deliberate will to lie, if he lies out of carelessness, out of laziness, out of cowardice, out of any sort of negligence whatsoever, he nevertheless lies. And he should be punished or despised in proportion to the seriousness of his offense. Now, what to me that means is that one should, <coughs> basically as an artist, be anti-establishment, to, to be anti-social. One should kick the shit I like to think of the artist, be the musician, the painter, the writer, the actor, whatever, the playwright, as, as being the court jester sitting beside the king's throne. He's good-natured. He's ridiculously dressed, sometimes with a silly hat with balls on, carrying a rubber scepter. Now and again, the king kicks him down the steps, and he gets up laughing. But beneath the grease paint, I believe he has a deadly serious motive. He's there to remind the king and his courtiers, equally foolishly dressed, of their common frailty and mortality. 
Art, if it is to fulfill its true function, should seek to report and lay bare our true condition, however unpalatable that might be. And let us be under no misapprehension, art can be tremendously powerful, not just on a personal level, reminding us of our shared humanity, but as an instrument of, 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 of um, social change. What is political correctness but self-censorship? And the first step down the slippery slope where dissent and opposition to the status quo are seen as unwelcome and destructive. That slope, I believe, leads to dictatorship and totalitarianism. In totalitarian regimes, writers are imprisoned. Plays are censored, and artists whose vision does not complement the ideals of those in power do not get their work shown. So if the arts can be feared, they must have power, a power to encourage people towards social change. I remember in Prague, I went there just as the wall came down. And all my fellow actors in the theater said, the houses have gone. No audience. We're getting no audiences now. When the curtain was up, we were the way of communication. People would come and we would experiment with political ideas across the footlights. Now we have freedom. We don't need to because this can be spoken in Parliament. This can be spoken in the streets. So in repressive regimes, the arts can be powerful. It seems only governments who lose confidence in themselves, begin to fear and censor the arts. But censorship can come in many, many and more subtle forms. And probably it'll be on this bit of paper. Yeah. <coughs> You're lucky you don't have to read my writing. The danger for television and film, the so-called mass media, is that it's owned by large corporations whose interest is to sustain the status quo and to encourage us to buy more, to want more, and not to rock the boat. So much that is made by the big studios becomes more and more pap for the masses, if you like. Yet, it does entertain us, often brilliantly, but it can reinforce our prejudices rather than making us question our beliefs. Of course, we should never forget, and I, 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 I don't forget, the great work that people like Showtime, HBO, the Discovery Channel, the History Channel are doing to open our eyes to our situation, to the world around us, to foreign lands, and to times past. But the arts, film in particular, could do much, much more. It saddens me we get so little opportunity to see the films I see in Cannes. I was on the, on the, um, the uh, whatnot, the um, jury, uh, three years ago or so. I saw films from Turkey, from Iran, from China, and I watched and I thought, oh, so that's what they feel, that's what moves them, that's what they want. And I'm saddened that the way movies are distributed and the way we, sh we ask to see things, because after all, if we were there, believe me, the distributors would show us the films. I'm sorry that so few of us are able to see work from filmmakers around the world. 
Because the days should be past when other nations' differences make us either amazed, amused, or fearful. Our global cultural diversity should be understood, respected, and gloried in. Only then can what Bill Clinton was talking about last night, global integration, begin to happen. When we learn that surprisingly perhaps, not everybody wants what we want, or even what we think they should want. I think film, if used properly, and the arts in general, can break down the prejudice and the non-comprehension of other cultures by allowing us an understanding of our fellow men and his perception of how life should be lived. Not ours about how he should live it, but his. With his state of history, his background, his country, his religion, how he thinks the world should be. And if we respect that and understand that, we will find it easier to respect other cultures and give them a respect which they're no different from us. They crave. We all crave it. And, and if we respect each other, then possibly we can peacefully coexist as a world. So, to end on a mixed metaphor, this clock says I've been going for 45 minutes. That's not true, is it? No, it feels... Oh, no, I'm white, it's winding down. I'm summing up. I'm, <laughs> I'm behaving. Christ, I must go on for hours. Um, so to end on a mixed metaphor, don't dismiss the arts as the icing on the cake. It could be the yeast that makes the dough rise.